All right, thanks for hitting the download button. I'm coming to you from suburban Philadelphia outdoors. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning. The sun is shining. The birds are indeed chirping. I can actually hear them uh, in the background. And what a weekend it was for team final basketball. Moni Bates making his debut and... uh, No surprise, Team Final wins the Southern Hoop Group Jam Fest, both 17s and 16s. Justin Edwards was the MVP of the 16s. Why he's not a top 50 kid, I really uh, honestly don't understand. Uh, It's amazing to believe. And there's a lot, again, to talk about as Memorial Day weekend is coming up. Albany or I'll be in either Albany or uh, Team Takeovers event in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina. you know, it's it's amazing to believe that the spring basketball again is heating up. Uh, don't forget, Philly Live's coming up in June, and uh, we've got the Big Shots Basketball Tournament hosted by Team Final at the Expo Center. Whether or not the whole team will be there, you know, that's still, uh, again, a matter uh, to be uh, determined. We're going to switch gears a little bit as uh, we're up a little early this morning at this 9 a.m. Uh, podcast, and I'm going to be talking with the one and only Mark Jackson. You might remember him from... Uh, the uh, He is the analyst on Comcast Sportsnet for Sixers pre- and post-game live. Sixers with a 125-118 win over the Washington Wizards. Game 2 is set for tomorrow night back here in Philadelphia at 7 o'clock uh, p.m. And, uh, you know, what a great story about this young man. Mark Jackson is from North Philadelphia. Mark Jackson played 13 years professionally uh, over in uh, Europe, between Europe and the NBA, and seven of those years were in the league. And while Allen Iverson was taking home MVP honors, Mark Jackson's career was only beginning as he was a first-team all-rookie out west in Gold State. I'd heard of this young six foot ten, six eleven big man uh, named Mark Jackson. You know, uh, Mark Jackson, uh, you know, Mark Jackson had to play overseas, drafted 37th overall uh, back in the early 90s because he had to support his mother growing up in a tough home in North Philadelphia. Mark Jackson led his team in uh, Roman Catholic back in 1993. And uh, I'm going to just uh, shift things over again as we're going to be talking with the one and only Mark Jackson right after this.
All right, finally, without any further ado, and man, we've been trying to get this guy on the line. I've been going back and forth playing phone tag with this gentleman here, but I'm talking here with the one and only uh, Mark Jackson. Uh, Mark has been nice enough to give me a few minutes of his time. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am very well, sir. Hey, a pleasure to talk to you. First of all, um, I called you. Uh, I wanted to talk with you because we've got a lot of good uh, basketball to cover. But um, I've been Wikipedia your ass for the last probably two to three days. And, uh, you know, of course, I know your story just as well as much as anybody. But uh, so um, you grew up in North Philadelphia and you have been ba- uh You were. Now, did you always want to go to Roman Catholic? Were there any other options that you chose uh, when you first started playing at high school? Well, for me, at that time, when I was in Williamson High School at Broughton uh, July, from 9th to 10th grade, um, I was going through a very tough time in my life where pretty much I was living my whole life. I lived in a house with no heat, no running water. Sure. We get our water from the fire hydrant. Um, from the fire hydrant, um, on the corner, everyone before people woke up. And at that time, in the ninth grade, that's when I ran. I, I started uh, uh, playing for John Harnett and Rodney Handy. And people don't know Rodney Handy was the assistant coach of Roman. Yes. So when, when John Harnett seen my living situation, yes, yes, I remember. Uh, you know, getting a chance the to schedule the schedule yep. the schedule. For, for that was John would get me in the morning, he would feed me, take to school, then come get from school, he would feed me, he would let me do my homework, he didn't feed me again, he would work out, then he'd take me home. That was the schedule. So at the point where I wanted, when I basketball and I wanted to excel, they started giving me options. So it was Roman, the only choice, yes, I love Roman. But at that point, Rodney Handy was trying to get me to Glenn Mills. Really? Glenn Mills? Glenn Mills, I get to live there. He said, at least at Glenn Mills, I get to live there to help my living situation. So at that point back there, Rodney was trying to get to the Glenn Mills, um, so it could help me when I'm not in the school. So I, I can come, I can go somewhere, and I can eat, I can live, and didn't have to worry about the extra things off the court. But you had to, uh, like you were saying, it says on your Wikipedia, you had to try to support your mother uh, at that time. And when you were attending Roman Catholic, you were just now how how much. Did you actually weigh back then, and how tall were you actually when you first came in? Were you around the same size as your son Sharif? No, no, no. When I was when I when I was in the when I was in the eighth grade, like Sharif, I was only uh, six six one. I was six foot one, six one and a half. Six one and a half? Are you kidding me? No. Yeah. Get out of here. Then when I got the, when and I the, got the ninth grade. I went from six one to six four, and then at the end of ninth grade, I was still six four. But then in that summer, from that summer all through my my tenth grade year, I went from six four to six nine. And that one year, and then I grew another inch my senior year. But and and from the transition from the summer going into my tenth grade year to the end of tenth grade year, I went from six four to six nine. Unbelievable! 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 That's hilarious. I came to one of William Penn's TV games when I was in ninth grade. He said, oh, he ain't that good. <laughs> but then he came back to my, my, one of my varsity games as 10th grader. He said, holy cow, you really grew. And, um, and that was, and that, that was a big first one at that time. Yeah, and, and I, I just, like I said, there have been so many of the great players, because I remember that 93 class um, was led by, uh, 
yourself and, and Alvin Williams and uh, Rashid Wallace was just among some of the names. And uh, But you you yourself played amongst uh, a good team yourself, and uh, you played alongside, he's now at LaSalle High, by the name of Mike McKee, and your coach was a gentleman by the name of Dennis Sennett. What was uh, Dennis really like back then? Well, Dennis, so let me tell you, Dennis, uh, Dennis had a partner at that time. We, we called him partner. It was Dennis Setton and Coach Jeff Steph. So Dennis Setton is, Dennis is a lot like Christian Messi. He's, um, you look at him, clean cut guy, doesn't really yell a lot, doesn't really get hyped, he stays one way, but he has a way of commanding presence. He has a way of being cerebral, but getting for you, you feeling you feeling that punch that he's giving to you mentally. Like, Mark, I need you to get off the butt. I need you to do right now. Get it done. And he was saying in the smoothest way that you would feel as though you're talking to a church. You talk to a church mouth. But, he, but his point is like he's jammed it in your head. And then he had his partner, Jeff Depp, who was the sister coach. And Jeff Depp was a pit bull. He was the one like, oh, you ain't stuff. You stuff. You better stuff it up. Like, so he was like a different way. So Jeff, uh, so Coach Stetton, was a smooth, Marvin Gaye of coaching. Like, I'm going to give it to you smooth, but you're going to understand everything I'm saying. And that's who Dennis said it. <laughs> it's a, yeah, no, no. And, 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 and there's always been, as long as I've been around uh, 16 years in this business, Roman has always had, I mean, the last coach we just had was no different than Dennis. Matt Griffin was somebody who, and I know you were around him a lot, was somebody who you know, expected bigs to be big. He expected guards to play like guards. And winning was definitely key because Roman Catholic itself has always been a tradition of winners. Uh, of excellence and student athletes is definitely uh, a word you could you could probably say because sending kids to college or to the pros at different uh, sports levels. I mean, Roman Catholic itself really was and is a great school for young men. It is, and, it, and I want to say probably is a great academic and athletic institution. They send all the athletes to four year colleges. Um, they don't send them to JUCOs. They don't send them to community. They send them to four year colleges. No offense to those who do. Yeah. Roman has proof, has a good guidance counselor, has a good, uh, a good department of resources to help their athletes and help their students to get the athletes, help their students yes. reach a certain level. And, and you had the chance, uh, kind of going back to when you graduated in 93 and you helped. How many Catholic League titles did you actually win at Roman? So for me, I went to William Penn night for 10th grade and I yes. went to Roman for 11th grade. I did not know that. Yes, and I, went, I won both Catholic League titles when I was uh, at Roman Catholic. I did not know you went to William Penn your first two years. I thought you went, yes, for some reason, I thought you went all four years. I was... Um, no, but I I did, but I wish I no, did. no, no, and I, I understand. That tradition, that brotherhood, is nothing like it. People say the blue blood, the basketball, you get to college. That's how certain people choose Duke. That's how certain people choose Kentucky because of the resources, because of what they have to offer. And that's the Roman Catholic is. It's a brotherhood. It's the oldest all-boys Catholic school in the United States of America. Yes, it is. It has a tradition like no, has a tradition like no other. It's the great, in my opinion. Greatest, greatest league in the country. And at that time, you got a chance to compete for one of the greatest 
it, it was considered the Catholic League, the kind of the mecca of Catholic League championships, the ACIT, the Alhambra Catholic Invitational Tournament, oh, where you man. beat Damatha Catholic and Morgan Wooten at that time. And I understand now who were you now who was on that Damatha team that you beat back then? You know what? I can't do. I can't remember. Boy, they got so many guys. But they was they had what they had eight holes, uh six All Americans. I mean, it was stacked. We beat them. You were able to, and I mean, you were able to, but you were also able to play against some of the best competition in the country, and what was, you know, these days, because as I did my intro, we are now dealing with, I, I think you could say, a whole new era of spring, as as Phil Martelli says, we a lot of us don't call it AAU, we call it spring or summer basketball. Team Final has just signed Amoni Bates for the remainder of the season. It's a whole new era of 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 just AAU domination and you know what was basketball like back then? Well, you know that that's when we all had Sunny Hill. We had the Sunny Hill League, so a lot of us didn't play AAU. I think my whole high school career, I might have played in two AAU events. Um, my whole high school career, and then for the team called New Jersey Roadrunners, um, myself and Mike Tass. Uh, played with uh, with the New Jersey Roadrunners. That was the only AAU I played. And I know Rashid ventured out to play a little bit more, but back then we didn't really do it. So now AAU and that summer ball brings not more, but it brings a lot of light to young guys, young talent, and people that want to play basketball. And it gets it gets to the point where it's, a lot of people say it gets more shine than high school basketball. And I always tell people this: it depends on what high school you go to. Because I know teams like Roman Catholic always compete in the top events in the country. Yes. And you're going to get a lot of publicity and you're going to get a lot of playing against top talent. I believe AAU brings the best in one place to play against each other. But if you go to another a basketball powerhouse that believes and put you against other uh, put you against other elite teams and players, then you get a whole year round of elite basketball. And that's what Roman does. Like, so you mentioned Alhambra. The two greatest events I've ever played in was the Alhambra Invitational and the big tournament in Honolulu, Hawaii. The Iolani Classic. Oh, man. And that's a big event. That's a huge event that, you know, John Mosco from Archbishop Wood, his team played that uh, before COVID hit and uh, said it was the greatest experience that he ever had. I agree. 100% it is the greatest environment greatest it, it, it's incredible and i believe roman goes every four years and i believe this schedule to go against this year um but this is so alhambra and um that that classic in honolulu listen that was the first and last time i've been in hawaii i've been telling my boys like look man we gotta we gotta get to hawaii we gotta get to the big island we gotta get to maui yes and yes. Like, why dad they said why i said listen i had an experience in high school that i've never forget that i wake up every morning like this is the day i go to hawaii this is the day I go to Wyatt. This is the, but I told him, I said, dude, be prepared. We go to Wyatt. We might not come back. <laughs> I, I, would, <laughs> I would blame you to leave. <laughs> I 
It's a, you know what, and, and, and I tell people all the time, there are some amazing tournaments. I definitely have to agree with the Ayalani Classic. It's definitely an event that I've been uh, really dying to get out to. And, you know, I, I, I still criticize you, but, you know, I, I do it out of out of a joke that you could have been that coach to take your kids to, to the Ayalani Classic. But i got to ask, um, Chris McNesby has returned at Roman Catholic. Why, Chris, what do you like the most about Chris? Uh, and this is no offense to anyone or anyone. So I, I, don't, I don't mean to offend anyone. But, hey, first of all, he's a Roman guy. You know, he's a Roman guy. Matt, uh, Coach Matt Griffin is a great human being. He was a great coach. But he wasn't a Roman guy. So, you know, I think that's important for the tradition to continue. Cause the tradition of holding people accountable. Not letting talent, not letting players dictate situations. Allowing the tradition of the school and what it stands for lead the way for what Roman Catholic means. But he wasn't leaving because he wasn't Roman. He only left because he got the biggest break of his career playing with our good, uh, coaching with our good friend Dwayne Killings at Albany, and he's already signed at least two or three PCL guys, uh, Big Huss uh, from Archbishop Carroll, Nymir Little, who played at Carroll, went to Westtown. I mean, Matt's got a really good thing going. I think he's going to be a head coach in college basketball. No, no, you misunderstand me. I, I know what you meant. Not at all. But I know what you meant. No, but I understand. But I want to make sure that's clear. No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. No, I listen, I, I tell that, no, Matt Griffin is an excellent coach, and I don't disagree with anything you're saying about the Chris McNessie thing. That's why I told people that, you know, I just, I picture it now, Mark Jackson, who has had his success in the Catholic League, uh, Mark Jackson should come back as a coach, but I understood because you have young kids that you're trying to be you're trying to be a dad to, and I believe me, I understand that. And as we kind of move towards um, the second part of your career, now you uh, played uh, first. You started out at VCU, and then you spent your last uh, three seasons or two seasons playing for the great John Shady. You talk about Dennis Sennett being a legend. Tell us about John Shady. We all know that we lost him during uh, the pandemic. But what was John Shady really like back then? He was a father. John Shady was a father to many men who did not have fathers. And the important thing about that is Coach Shady believed in recruiting players who didn't have parents who didn't have the proper background and upbringing. They may have made it up, a lot of schools turn away from him. And he was a father first, and then a teacher and coach second. Um, he was the, one of the most instrumental people in my life, and as well as many people lives, because when he taught you, he taught you for life. He taught you for what can cost you in a fast court can also cost you in life. And, and, and that was a big thing that he did. And that's why that's a big thing why some of us, a lot of us as players, were so connected to him because of his love for us as people first and then basketball second. Winning, winning came far beyond the development of human beings. Yes. Coach John Cheney, every sermon, every speech, every practice, every dinner, he made sure you understand the significance of being a man significance of being a successful man, not just for you, but for everyone that will follow you. And and and, and I'll tell you, so it resonated so much with all his players. We didn't look at him as a coach. We looked at him as a dad. And 
and uh, and and I and I started a correlation with coaches is another form and another language of the word dad. Wow. And a lot yeah. of the, a lot of the way I teach with my AAU program, a lot of way I teach, no matter where you're from, no matter what your upbringing, you're getting taught the same way. You're getting held accountable. You're getting told when you're wrong. You're getting uh, cherished and and, and, and and cheered for when you're correct, when you make an accomplishment, we celebrate you. But also, most importantly, you're getting taught about the way of life. You might not like everything, but if you understand that the world is not always sunshine and rainbow, then you will have a great life as long as you leave an impact on others. And, and I learned... Um from that, and it seems like that tradition is continuing with Aaron McKee, who has now taken over at, as Temple's coach. One of his assistants, uh, unfortunately, uh, lost his father, and I brought this up with you, the late Jim Fetterty from Germantown Academy. I was a little surprised because Jim Fetterty loved going after the best high school players in Philadelphia. I was a little surprised when you said you had never, you had never heard of him or ever even actually met him. Yes. But other than that, I never really knew him. I knew of them from Alvin Williams, but I didn't know him personally. And Alvin Williams, of course, was the team's only, is the only All-American, the history of that school. And, and uh, you got to play against, again, back going back to the high school. Yeah, you got a chance to play against the best of the best. And, yeah, uh, we did lose, you know, we just continue to lose great legends. And John Shady was, was one. Tom Kachowski was another. The oh, saint sent from heaven. You got a story about him? Listen, listen. It doesn't feel right being in any gym anywhere in the East Coast and not see time in a gym. It just doesn't feel right. No. It just doesn't feel right. He is a part of every gym on the East Coast. In the country. So in the country. So when you had a gym, no matter how, and he's not there, it just doesn't seem real. He he was such a big part of my life when I broke into the business. He he would always intentionally go up to people and say, if I was announcing a game, um, it's going to be announced by the one. It's going to be announced by a good announcer. I think you picked the right guy. That was Tom. He was the nicest guy in the universe. And he was one of the most well-respected people in the university. He, he was as John Calipari and Phil Martelli said best, the angel sent from heaven. Mm. He always had a smile on his face. He always was observant. Every kid that walked in the gym and he introduced himself, he, she gave you a firm handshake and looked you in the eye. He was a very good guy, very Yes, 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 he was. Now, after you finished and and you were the A-10 Player of the Year in uh, your senior year in 97, you went on uh, to play. You started out overseas, and uh, you were the 37th overall pick in the draft, but you decided to – you started out in Turkey, is that right? Turkey, and then you went on to Spain? Yes. Um, I was drafted. I was uh, signed. I was offered a – for me being a second-round pick, I was offered a lucrative contract that wasn't – it would have been the first contract given to a person that wasn't a first-round pick. Um, but I turned it down because I went to Turkey. And a man, and I became the highest-paid player in European history to sign a large contract as a rookie that never played in a professional game ever. Yeah. So I, chose that. I chose that over the NBA. And then you went on to – but you did play seven years in the NBA. And while Allen Iverson was, I guess you could say, dominating here in Philadelphia – 
Uh, I remembered putting on the TV Mark Jack, a young, skinny, 6'11 forward named Mark Jackson was making his headwaves out west in Golden State. You actually became the uh, a first-team all-rookie. Um, did you have a good experience when you played in the NBA for seven years? Uh, I, I, let me tell you something. I had a great experience. I had a great experience. The NBA was wonderful for me. But let me tell you this, which a lot of people don't know. The only reason I came to the NBA because in the second time, you know, I used to we always used to work out at Peacock. Me, uh, Allen Iverson, Alvin Williams, Steve Wallace, Malik Rose, Rick Brunson, all the Sixers, all the Nets, a lot of the Knicks, and they used to tell me every year, man, why are you still in Europe? You need to come to the NBA. I said, look, man, NBA pays better with the NBA can offer, and it took, it took. And one day after workout, it took Larry Brown and his brother, Herb Brown, to sit me down with Alan Iris and Malik Rose. And I forget, they're like, hey, man, I don't know what they're paying you in Europe, but there's no way they can pay you more than NBA. You need to come to the NBA. And and that was the only decision. I took a huge pay cut my first year to come to the NBA. And I took an NBA. I came to the NBA because of Larry Brown, Herb Brown, and Alan Iris telling me I need to be in the NBA. That's the only reason I left you. Yeah, and, and, and again, you went on to play two years here in Philadelphia. I believe it was 2003 to, to 2005. And, and now, as you look back on your 13-year career, well, first off, I, I wanted to ask, what was what do you reflect the most on in the 13 years you played professionally? Again, I'm sorry, well, the 13-year, the 13 years you were in professional basketball between Europe and the NBA, what do you look back on as far as, um, you know, what what's the best, uh, some of the best things that you remember? For me, the experiences. See, I'm a loner. I'm a loner. I never was a big partier. I, I've never drank. I've never smoked anything in my life. Yeah. And there's no disrespect for those who do. No, no, yeah. I'm a big believer, I'm a big believer in living life. I live a life on a high of no substance. So I never did drugs. I never smoked. I never drank. I was big on experience. So, my, for example, my first year in Turkey, no one spoke English. The only people that, excuse me, the only people that spoke English was my head coach, the general manager, and one of my teammates. So every day in between practice, I would walk around Turkey to different coffee shops, just sit in coffee shops with the older Muslim men with the long beards, just talk to them to the point that I learned Turkish fluently in about a month just talking to people. That experience is something that I urge people to have. So my biggest takeaway from my professional career in Europe and in the NBA was so many different life experiences I had from being around so many different people from walks of life that I now call them my friends. And I'm hoping that one day my children will experience the same things that I have. You have uh, three boys that are very well educated right now. I look at Sharif and Sammy, uh, who are on your AAU team, Team Jacko. It's a, it's a. They definitely look like. Now, can you? Is there um, anything you can say in Turkish? Yes, Which means. Which means, how are you, my friend? I hope you have a great day. <laughs> That's well said. Well, well said. So now, um, 
you know, you are now retired. You're working currently for uh, Comcast Sportsnet, and you're doing work with CBS. You work alongside Amy Fadul and Jim Lynham as the um, as an anchor for Sixers pre and post game live. The Sixers have won Game One just two nights ago. Game Two is set for tomorrow night, right here in Philadelphia. What do you like the most about this series, and how far do you see the Sixers going as the top seed? Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I, and one thing I, I've tried myself on not doing is not being a homer. Of course. Because I don't talk. I don't talk nothing fake because I'm, I'm born and raised in Philadelphia. I try to speak truth because I know when I walk down the street, people approach me and say, "Mark, you better be honest." So that's why I do what I do. The reason why I like the Sixers' chances of getting to the finals, and I think this is their best shot of winning the finals in a long time, is because they, a, they have a superstar talent in Joel Embiid. They have a guy that can put them on their back and carry them. But I think the supporting pieces match so well. They have the slashers. They have the shooters. They have the second and third and fourth options. They have the bitch who can shoot. And they have chemistry. I know everybody, it's hard to fan them, anyone beating the Nets, because they have three legitimate offensive juggernauts. That's true. And one thing that, one thing that I, take, I take from this, the reason why to me they're beatable, it's hard to win a championship. When your three best players have only played eight games together. Now, when you say eight games, but the amount of games they played together without minutes restrictions, for one of them had been three. They played three complete games together the entire year. So I don't care how good you are. When you run against a team that has good chemistry, that's another superstar talent, that has a, a, a coach that can help, help with making adjustments, I think Yeah, no, we would love to. Yeah, we would love to see that. And uh, I, you know, again, as I tell people, if you have any questions or thoughts, send that over to the Voice Report on Instagram, or as well as on Twitter. On my name, Jacob Schwartz twenty three. Um, as we kind of get towards the end, uh, I'm 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 such a big fan of your your program, Team Jacko, and uh, why I have not been asked to play on your team, I don't understand that. I still think that my talent. <laughs> my talent is some of the best you've ever seen. I remember you and I work when we work out. I, 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 don't I usually beat you? I, I could be wrong about that. <laughs> now, um, but but you have. Um, I got a chance to see your team in that uh, Team Jacko Team Final event, and it was one of the. You know, I was absolutely mesmerized. By the talent you have, your son Sammy's in seventh grade, and your uh, oldest Sharif is in eighth grade, and 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 I just remembered when a player got injured that day, and and, and Mark Jackson is the first guy on the scene. What do you like the most about this program? Uh, I love because we do it a, a different way. Um, I know the big thing now, and a lot of coaches have problems where a lot of coaches scared to coach players. They scared to tell a player, correct a player, they teach them when they're wrong. Or when the parents are, are tripping on the bench or going crazy to say it, coaches are scared to teach and be role models and, and teach these kids because they're scared that the player or the parents will get mad and leave. And I tell the parents when we start the season, I don't need you. You need me. And what I mean by that is I'm not the program. Where we're not going to get the best players in the city. Why? Because the best players in the city, a lot of them, have coached parents who think they know everything. They have, they've been told they're so great they can't get better. 
they've been told they're so great, well, they, 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 they never make mistakes. That's not what we do. What we do is we teach. We teach about life. We hold you accountable and make me, and we, we attempt to make you a better overall individual. So the reason why I like my program, and that is not a knock on other programs, just you ask about my program, is that we hold the kids accountable and we do it an old school way. We don't let outside interference come into our locker room and our court. This is what we do. If you don't like it, I wish you the best of luck. It's no bad feelings. I love every kid. Yeah, and I love every kid and every coach that give their time to develop into you. But the way we do things is we hold you accountable, and we do it from a place of love, and we do it a place for the future. Who cares who wins a fourth through eighth grade game? No one cares. But I tell the kids and the parents, the legacy of what you take from this program and what you take to high school to get yourself a free education is what you will be remembered for. Whether you win or lose a game does not make a difference. Are you being developed? Are you being taught about life? And are you building a legacy for the future? That's the only thing that matters, and that's what we get. That just makes me want to, like I said, uh, if I could just change my uh, age to 13 years old, I, I, I'm now officially available because I would love to learn from a guy like Mark Jackson. <laughs> I really absolutely believe that. Jake Schwartz uh, here on The Voice Report with the one and only Mark Jackson. And Mark, I just have to honestly say I always enjoy being around you. Uh, best of luck, of course, this coming summer with Team Jacko. Uh, I certainly believe uh, with your expertise, I do believe the Sixers are going to make a run deep into the postseason. Uh, of course, another edition of The Voice Report here with the one and only Mark Jackson. Mark, a pleasure to talk with you, as always, sir. My, my pleasure. Anytime, Jake. I'm always here for you, sir. Thank you, sir.